Okay, so we're going to take time to, if you were here last week, you remember, if not, uh, this is what we call passing of the peace. So it's actually a time for us to come together and actually pray and pass peace, pass blessing onto one another. Uh, some of the traditional ways to say that, of course, is the peace of Christ be with you, and your response, of course, being, and also with you. Um, so this is a time for us to really actually pass real peace, pass real blessing. Um, I know a lot of us had fun doing this last week. It was kind of like cool just to kind of just make sure you go and see different people uh, and make sure you go to people that you've never met before. Um, I know it's a, it's a real tendency of ours to go into the people that are familiar, see the people that we're, we're acquainted with, but really take time to pass peace to somebody you don't know. And I know this can seem really fun and really, and, and really kind of more jokey at times, but really take time to take a moment and pass peace to one another, pass a blessing to one another. So we're going to play a little behind you guys, um, but pass peace to each other. All right, everybody. Hey, thanks so much for being here. Yes, it's weird. Yes, it's not what we normally do. We're in this old school series, and so we're doing some old school things, uh, including prayers of confession. So we did this last week together. Uh, if you were in big church this morning, I thought one of the coolest things JC talked about was how, you know, we, we think a lot about individual faith journeys, but it's a communal thing that we do together. And so, yes, you should confess sin to God individually, but we're going to do it now together. The same way you should read your Bible on your own, but do it together. Pray on your own, do it together. Like We're going to participate in this as a faith community. So stand up. That's the most old school thing about all this. When you're going to church with like grandma, there's a lot of standing. If you weren't here last week or if you blocked it out because it was that traumatic for you, let me explain what's going to happen. We're going to put a prayer up on the screen and we're going to read through it together all at once. And the idea here is just to confess because none of us are perfect. Romans 3.23 says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So I, I cordially invite you to participate, but if you don't mean it, I invite you to just not. Uh, there's no point in lying to God or yourself or the people around you. So let us confess our sins together. Gracious God, our sins are too heavy to carry, too real to hide, and too deep to undo. Forgive what our lips tremble to name, what our hearts can no longer bear, and what has become for us a consuming fire of judgment. Set us free from a past that we cannot change. Open to us a future in which we can be changed. And grant us grace to grow more and more in your likeness and image. Through Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Amen. I'm going to turn it back over to Jacob and his crew for the doxology. And uh, while we're doing the doxology together, um, as you can see, the baskets are on the side for you guys. And we will, there's one right there, all the way down there. Awesome. And then you guys can just pass those around as we do the doxology together. Um, it's going to be a little different than what we did from before, um, but let's, uh, let's, let's have some good time. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. 
praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy. like last week uh, we had a creed last week was the Apostles Creed this week is the Nicene Creed I am willing to bet that none of you have heard of the Nicene Creed if oh, okay in the back I see that hand wonderful last week I was I was a little sad there were not a lot of hands on the Apostles Creed the Nicene Creed is a little bit longer uh, it is a little bit more explicit in its statement of belief in the Trinity which if that's something you've ever questioned or tried to understand welcome to the team uh, but this is a statement of things we believe. So again, I encourage you, if you don't believe these things, don't say them. You don't have to lie. This is something that, that we do. We say what we believe because there are days where it's harder to believe than others. You may not feel like it. And so we have to place our faith and our trust in, in these things that we say we believe. This one's a little bit long. And I want to tell you, there's a word in here that I didn't even remember that was a word. It's consubstantial. It's a real word. I promise it's not a typo consubstantial. So you'll see that I think on the second page. Uh, so check this out with me and let's say it together the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, 
light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. Through Him all things were made, for us men and for our salvation He came down from heaven, and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary, and became man. For our sake He was crucified under Pontius Pilate, He suffered death and was buried, and rose again on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and His kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets, I believe in one holy, catholic, and apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life in the world to come. Amen. Well, hey, I want to say right off the top, thanks, thanks for doing this these last two weeks. I know it maybe has been weird or uncomfortable. And I want to assure you, we're not doing it again next week, I promise. We'll go back to our normal style, some normal things. Uh, but it's good. It's good to experience some traditional, old-school church vibes. Uh, breaking news, you probably won't attend Brookwood your whole life. And one day you may find yourself in a great church full of healthy people who love the Lord and love you. And it just may be a little bit more like that. And that's okay. Uh, and there's beauty and there's truth in these old hymns, in reciting these creeds and, and confessing sin together. Uh, there's some good stuff. And last week, we went to the oldest pair of people in the Bible, Adam and Eve. I hope that you learned some from that experience. Tonight, we're looking at the second oldest pair of people in the Bible. You already heard Sarah read from Genesis 4, verses 1 through 8. Um, and so, uh, Cain and Abel, who feels like they know this story pretty well? Okay, great. Who feels like there's a lot going on here I just don't really understand? Okay. Well, spoiler, in the end, if you paid attention earlier, what happens? Abel, dies. Abel is murdered by his brother Cain. But how did we get there? I've got a very solemn video to show you that speaks to that. Eric, roll it. Turn up a little bit. Yeah, that's how we do it. No, that's no, how we do it. Rules that's... That we abide by. Yeah, right. Should we do something? Just let him settle this. Oh, no. My trick. Yeah. I guess that settles it. What? Nothing. It's... He, he's all right. He's just he's he's resting. He's tuckered out from the fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, 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 you know what? Let's uh, cover him up with some, a little dirt here and some straw to keep him warm until he wakes up. And hey, Abel, what are you doing with my foot? Playing possum? Oh, whoa! Hey! <laughs> oh, hey! Stop it! He's choking me! Ah! Stop it, Abel! Are you trying to choke me to death, Abel? Yes, Karen, I am. Ah! Oh, don't stop it! Self-defense! Clearly, self-defense! Oh! oh. What have I done? 
Guys, guys, we're in some real trouble here. Ah, uh, what do you mean, we? I don't want to play the blame game, but you're the one who hit him. No, 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 no. There's two of you and there's one of me. I mean, you could have stopped me. We didn't know you were going to kill him. Are you calling me a murderer? Yeah, I, did I say that? It was an accident, right? Yeah, you were holding a rock and he ran into it with his face repeatedly until he just couldn't pull through. Horseplay. It was horseplay. It was two horses playing. One murders the other one. Uh... May. Yeah, and and you know what? It's probably best if we uh, didn't mention this accident to anyone, because you know people people don't understand. And who am I going to tell? I mean, I can't think of one person who would be interested. I, I would only really tell him, and he's a witness as well. Yeah. Why even bring it up? Okay. It's like he killed himself. Cry for help, if anything. All right. Good. <laughs> I like you guys. I do. I like you guys. Okay, that's obviously not how it went down. That's, that's not what happened. And some of that, like, they're making light of it, but it's pretty brutal to think about he hit him in the head with a rock until he died. But, like, what if that's what actually went down? We don't know a lot of the details of what happened in that field, but what we know is in the end, Cain murdered Abel. How could it get that bad, right? How could, how could he do that? Let me just back up and frame this for a second. Raise your hand if you have a sibling. Okay, look around. Most of us, put your hands down. How many of you have ever been very angry with your sibling? Okay, same populace of people. Okay, who's ever even jokingly said, ha ha, I could kill you? Yeah. And I know we won't raise our hand for this next part because none of us would ever actually do that. But here's the deal. Sometimes our anger runs away with us and we do something that maybe we didn't really mean to do, but because we let our emotions control us instead of controlling them, we wind up in kind of a bad place. Tonight, as we journey through just this short passage, looking at Cain and Abel, uh, I've got three questions I'm going to ask you to think about if you've got the handout. Uh, let's kind of revisit the scripture here. Uh, the key players, as we see here, are Cain and Abel. Uh, these are the sons of Adam and Eve who we looked at last week. Let's look at verses 2 through 5. It says, when they grew up, Abel became a shepherd. Cain cultivated the ground. That's a fancy way of saying he was a farmer. Look at y'all. You're sharp. Now, this is significant. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. Why? Why did God accept what Abel brought, but not what Cain brought? Look, it's right there in the text. Speak up. Be bold. What, why? Abel brought the best. It says that he brought the, the firstborn of the, of the choice parts of his flock. Cain brought some. So don't miss this, that, that Abel brought 
his best. Cain just kind of brought the rest. And we go, well, that doesn't seem like a good reason for God to reject him. Cain was serving up leftovers to God. Now stop and think for a minute. If you were going to have somebody really special in your house for dinner tonight, it could be that cute boy or girl that you like. It could, you can imagine having somebody very powerful in your house. Uh, anybody, anybody, a hero of yours. If you're going to have somebody very special over to your house tonight, you're not going to go dig in the back of the fridge for that one leftover crusty enchilada or like the pasta that's just, it's real dry, like there's no saving. You're not going to fish out the nasty kind of questionable leftovers that you have to smell and put those on the table for someone special. I hope. No, you're going to do it upright. And for those of us who can't cook, like we're going to stop by somewhere and get some real nice food. But otherwise, you're going to prepare a delicacy, something, I mean, just the best meal you can possibly imagine. Adults in the room who are married, you think about that first time you tried to prepare food for that special someone. Maybe it didn't go so well. Maybe it did. Like you want it to be special, but like this is common sense. So if we would do that for someone that we love, for someone we want to impress, why would we do less than that for God? Let me be very clear, like, we're coming up, Valentine's is not far off, we, we will have that talk like we do every year, we get around that time, but we pour so much effort and energy into our love relationships here on this earth, and we just neglect God, we give him second best, or third best, or maybe the leftovers of, oh, I'm falling asleep, but I haven't thought about God at all today, hey God, it's me, I'm going to fall asleep in your arms as I pray, isn't that good? No, you're giving God just scraps, and that's what Cain did. So, the first question I want you to think about is, what am I giving to God? What am I giving to God? This is not me trying to press you and be like, you should come to church more and be here more. Sign up for our events. Do our stuff. No. Like, yeah, I'd love to have you here for that stuff, but that's not what I'm saying. What are you giving to God on a daily basis? Do you stop and think about God at all when you leave from here on a Sunday? Or do you check it off your list? Oh, did my God thing for the week. See you next Sunday, God. I hope not. But I'll be honest, I think so for some of us. Monday through Saturday is our time. And we give God a couple hours on Sunday and we think, I'm good, I'm going to heaven. It's not how it works. What are you giving to God? I, I can't answer that for you. Only you can answer that. So, we continue in the story. It says that Cain was very angry and he looked dejected. And I love that when God sees his people in a situation, he comes right at it. And he says, why are you so angry? So before we even get any further into that, I want to ask you to think about this question. Why are you so angry? Write that down. Ask yourself, why am I so angry? Now, you may say, well, I'm not really angry. Like, I'm, I do all right. And maybe that's true for some of us. But for a lot of us, I think we are angry, but we just keep it inside. And you may think, well, because I haven't cussed anybody out. I didn't punch anybody. Like, I, I'm not angry. And I just want you to understand, if you've got bitterness and brokenness and anger and rage, and you sit there and plot how to get even, my friend, you got some anger. And if you don't deal with it, the Bible is rife with scripture that just tells you you're heading for a bad place. You've heard me talk from the stage many times. Probably the greatest struggle of my life is anger. I am easily offended. 
And I get so mad. And I have to work constantly. Even little things, I have to constantly go, don't yell, don't scream. It's not worth it. What's the point? Let it go. The Bible says that the overlooking of sins is really what, what love looks like. So when someone even has done something that's justifiably wrong, instead of me flipping out, I have to be willing to forgive and move past it. That's love. That's what Christ did for us. So you may feel like, oh, this part isn't really for me. And maybe it's not, but it might be for the people around you. If you don't figure out why you're angry, you're going to continue to be angry. And just an aside, and this wasn't in my notes, I can prove to you that most of the time what you're angry about is actually not what happened in that moment because you'll, you'll flip out on somebody who did very little to you and like as you're flipping out, you'll know like, this isn't really their fault. Like they, they didn't do anything. They stepped on my shoe. It's not a big deal. But you're angry about something from way back that you've been carrying around maybe since childhood. And if you don't unpack that and get with somebody who can help you, you're in for a rough haul through life. So if you need help, come see me. I'll get you connected with somebody. God asked him, why are you so angry? Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. Why are we looking at these stories, these old school stories, Adam, Eve, Cain, and Abel? There's applicable knowledge here for us. And I love this imagery that God himself speaks. He says, hey, if you do what's right, if you'll just get your heart right, it's good. But if you don't, he paints this image of sin lurking at the door. And it's eager to control you. But you must subdue it and become its master. How you doing with that? You, you taking control or are you letting sin control you? The story concludes, at least as far as we're going to look at it today. We see that Cain, in fact, did not subdue that sin. Verse 8 says that one day Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. While they were there in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. How did it go down? What happened? Did he take him out there with the intent to kill him? Was something said once they were out there? He just snapped? We don't know all the details. We don't know. Uh, the New Testament does shed a little bit of light. If you look at 1 John 3, verse 12, John says, we must not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil and his brother had been doing what was righteous. Is it possible this refers to Cain not bringing the best and Abel having done so? Yes, it's possible this means that. It also is possible Cain was just an evil person. It says he belonged to the evil one. So we don't know all the ins and outs of it. We know that in the end, this relationship was as broken as it gets to commit violence, to murder. Guys, that's about as bad as it gets. And so before you get to that point, the last question I want you to consider for tonight is, who do I need to forgive? Who do I need to forgive? And you're like, I mean, I'm not going to murder anybody. Sometimes I, it just feels good to be mad at somebody. Just, hey, just let me feel what I feel. I, I understand that. But I am telling you that Jesus tells us our feelings do, in fact, matter. He's helping us understand this in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, you've heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you're subject to judgment. But I say, if you're even angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. 
And so he goes on to frame it this way. If you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. All of the churchy things in the world, being here, singing the songs, knowing how to open to the proper book of the Bible, none of that matters if your heart is far from God. You know what can create that separation is broken relationships, people that you have chosen to not forgive, people that you've not sought forgiveness from. So I would challenge you tonight to think about who do you need to forgive and maybe who do you need to seek forgiveness from. I'm going to invite Jacob and the band to, to come on back up. And tonight's final song is really a time of response in two ways. You need to wrestle with these questions. Like, please hear me. There was a time when I used to do a lot of alliteration, and I still do that sometimes. It's fun for me. It's a challenge. But I ask a lot more questions now because the, the longer I've been doing this, the more I realize there's just stuff we need to wrestle with. Hey, some of you have really broken relationships that you need to take every effort you can to try to repair and to bring peace and grace to. Some of you are super angry. Some of you are bringing leftovers to God, and you need to wrestle with those three questions tonight and perhaps in the days to come. So that's one way to respond. Another way might be to say, hey, my heart's far from God, and I want to know him. I want a relationship with him. I need to start that tonight. By all means, take that step. It's as simple as confessing, I'm a sinner. God, I need you. And then come talk with one of us adults. We'd love to help you take the next steps. The final way you can respond tonight is just being thankful for all that God has done for you and participating in the Eucharist or communion as it's more commonly known. Uh, You can see in the back we've got some tables. It's not fancy because it doesn't have to be fancy. We've got some cups with some grape juice. We've got some bread, fresh baked today, cut up for you by me. On this back table over here, if you see there's a smaller pile in the corner, that's gluten-free. If you are a gluten-free person, we thought about you. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to stand, and we're going to sing this final song. And if you need to stay in your seat and just pray and deal with some things, do that. But if you're a Christian, and let me be very clear, communion is something you should only do if you are, in fact, a Christ follower. So I cordially invite some of you again, maybe take a pass tonight, and that's okay. But at any point during this song, you can get up and go on your own, grab a piece of bread, grab a little bit of that juice, maybe step off over somewhere by yourself and think about the sacrifice of Christ. This is what Paul records for us in 1 Corinthians 11. It says that on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. He broke it in pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant between God and his people in agreement. Confirm with my blood, do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. This is how we worship and remember Christ. And there are some old school churches out there, they take communion every single week. And that's awesome. We're not going to do that. But tonight is your chance to participate and respond in that way. So stand with me, if you will. Let me pray over you. And then you respond in your time as God leads you. Father, we thank you for the life of your son, Jesus, which he laid aside willingly on our behalf. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would 
search us and try us, point out anything in us that is offensive to you. For those of us in here who are wrestling with brokenness and anger and bitterness, relationships that are fractured, would you help us? Would you step in? Would you intercede in a supernatural way before we wind up in the same type of situation Cain found himself? Would you bring restoration and beauty and healing and forgiveness and mercy where we need it? Jesus, we love you and we commit this time to you. It's in your name that we pray.